Hello, you're listening to Dr. Diggy's podcast. I'll be debunking medical myths through conversations with health professionals. Hi everyone, thank you for joining me for the first episode of the Dr. Diggy podcast. In today's episode, I'll be talking about coronavirus. It took over the news at the start of the month with how it impacted China, and now, as it's taken its toll in Europe and in the UK, it's become more important than ever to really understand what it is and how to tackle the fake news about the virus. Before I continue, I don't plan on providing personalised medical advice, but instead I hope to give you a source of information from trusted health professionals. I aim to dispel myths, bring you the facts and help you develop your own understanding. If you have any topics you'd like me to discuss on future episodes, feel free to message me via my Instagram account at Dr. Diggy's Podcast or drop me an email on drdiggypodcast at gmail.com. I'm excited to have our first ever guest on the show. It was going to be in a studio, but unfortunately, I'm not going to be face-to-face with her. It's going to be via Zoom. And I'm so excited to introduce my friend and part of my Yarmouth family, Dr. Gabrielle Macaulay, or known as Dr. Gabby. Um, She's a family medicine doctor, a GP, with over 10 years of experience. She's trained at Imperial College London and has also obtained a first-class degree in diabetes and endocrinology. She has diplomas from the Royal College of Obzangaini, the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Medicine, and has undergone training with the College of Naturopathic Medicine, as well as additional training with functional hormone replacement. So her approach to medicine is um, well to well-being focuses on addressing physical and mental and spiritual health in order to develop a holistic treatment plan that combines the best of traditional and lifestyle medicine so dr gabby is very active in social media with a great following mostly due to her insightful and evidence-based posts she uses to help dismiss um, dispel myths on healthcare issues as she's part of the front line as many GPs providing advice to patients, I thought it would be great to have her on the podcast today to just give her insight into coronavirus. So welcome, Gabby. Hi, Dr. Diggy. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. I feel honoured to be um, speaking with you. No, thank you so much for making the time. I know it's not the best way to do it, but, you know, we'll have to try and make do with situations as we're both self-isolating or we're doing what the government has said which is to stay at home so we'll find some time to catch up another time but just for everyone else to know I, do you remember the first time you met I do remember the first time we met I was driving in the late of the, the night arriving in a unknown place a hospital <laughs> were waiting for me outside um, the hospital to guide me to my accommodation who I can't even remember who was who was our mutual was it Toby was that our mutual friend I can't remember who it was who put me in contact or somebody else I honestly cannot remember the name of the person but I was doing a locum shift in Surrey and I was handing over at the end of my night shift to another doctor who was on the day shift oh yeah in passing that I was moving to Great Yarmouth um, to start a new job and she just said oh I know someone who's really really nice called (laughs) Um, let me give you her number and when you get there you can hit her up and I'm sure you'll get along oh no honestly that was so random and then we ended up watching like being Mary Jane like on te- yeah. like together in the evenings in hospital accommodation um but yeah that was that was such a long time ago now but it was really a really fun way to meet you um 
but how are you doing at the moment how's everything yeah I mean the situation kind of feels surreal because um I remember around December time um we were hearing things about something going on in China and I remember mm. I was in Nigeria at that time and I decided to buy some masks for my flight um oh, yeah. decision but they didn't actually arrive in time um, but that shows that in my kind of subconscious I was a little bit like taking note of this thing um I went to Spain in January and I bought some masks for the plane and mm. I it um and then I've just kind of been obsessed with following the situation um I'm someone who always thinks of the worst case scenario mm -hmm. um in order to prepare and prevent that from happening no um, definitely and I feel like you know my worries are coming to pass at the moment so, so it does feel surreal uh, the situation is changing every day yeah um, but it's just important to keep on top of the evolving situation. Especially on top of the information. There's been so much out there. There's so much on the news. There's so much on social media. Um, I think it's just for us and in this podcast, I just hope to just break down some of the facts and some of the myths for everybody. So what we're going to start with, I think, is probably just to basically just discuss, okay, what is coronavirus? So everyone's understood. We can just start on the same basis. So what is coronavirus and um, how okay, is it different? So so coronavirus there are lots of different types of coronaviruses mm -hmm. uh, originally they were thought to kind of um only affect animals um and then we kind of knew that they do affect humans but um in kind of a mild form just causing like a mild cold mm. but um the sars cov1 coronavirus was the first one that really caused a lot of harm to humans um and that happened a few years ago the one that is causing issues at the moment is known as COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2. And basically what this is, it's an encapsulated single-stranded RNA virus. So it's basically a tiny amount of, um, of you know, proteins that are strung together. Yeah. And it's surrounded by um, a spike glycoprotein, which is how it manages to kind of connect to our cells and enter. Okay. Why um, coronaviruses have that name is because the um, when you kind of look at it under the, the microscope, the spikes kind of resemble um, the sun when it's going through an eclipse. So that's where corona comes from. Ah, almost like a crown, or no, more like the spikes. Okay, more like um, <laughs> if you think about a crown of spikes. Oh, I see. Yeah, but. They all have these funny names that somehow link to something interesting. I love how the scientists, yeah. if that's, that's what they thought to name it because of that. But anyway, exactly, yeah. <laughs> by the pie. Um, and like for everyone to understand, so it's an RMA virus. Okay. Um, and what are the, what are the signs and symptoms? That's what everyone wants to know. And they've, they've, they've said on NHS websites and things, but for us people listening, what yeah, are the signs so and symptoms? I don't have the, um, there was actually a really good document with the, um, percentage of people who suffer with each symptom I don't have that to hand okay but common symptoms are a dry persistent cough mm -hmm. and a fever yeah but not everyone who has coronavirus has a cough or has fever mm. there are some people who have no symptoms whatsoever mm. there are people who have other symptoms such as a sore throat um sort of conjunctivitis in their eyes and um, we're now finding that loss of smell or loss or change in taste could be a preceding symptom for coronavirus. Um, mm -hmm. 
aches and pains are quite common in people. Headache is another symptom. A lot of people have mentioned um, kind of eye pain and eye sensitivity. Um, breathlessness, there's so many different kind of non-specific symptoms that people um, can experience. So it's quite difficult to be able to diagnose it or predict it in people who have mild or no symptoms whatsoever. Oh, definitely. And I think that's a tricky thing. This, If it wasn't for all of this going on if you had any of those symptoms you probably think you have like a, a bad cold um mm. i definitely had a bad cold at the beginning of february and i felt absolutely rotten and i'm not thank god i'm not the kind of person that gets ill regularly so when that hit me i felt like i couldn't i was so unwell um mm. and i feel like that's also something for people to bear in mind you are going to feel unwell you're going to feel knackered you're going to feel rotten and mm. um but the, the key symptoms are the fever and the dry cough and this is a new fever, thing yeah fever and dry cough are the most common symptoms yeah. um, that people experience but there is a wide range of symptoms yeah. um i actually um read an interesting summary today mm. um which is from a doctor in america um in new orleans now i cannot verify directly from the source okay this doctor was saying um as you know in america they do a lot you know that they have a lower threshold for investigation compared to the uk yeah but that they are seeing in their emergency department for other things such as road traffic accidents or mm. um, fibrillation when they're doing scans on these people they are seeing evidence of um covid19 type infection in the lungs and these people are testing positive um even though they didn't come in with um you know a covid19 problem i mean that's that, that sounds reasonable because like you said you may not have symptoms and you be you may be carrying you might be covid positive so you could have something else happen to you and then you go to the hospital and then you actually could they could pick it up that way so yeah that that sounds that sounds quite reasonable um so who's at risk who are the main people we should be worrying about because you know when we initially we were told that the most vulnerable are the elderly but then we're hearing cases of quite young people getting it yeah so i mean um when we think about who's at risk um people with coexisting health conditions mm -hmm. are the people who we really worry about so these are people who who might have kind of a chronic respiratory disease um people who have chronic heart disease um studies have shown that people with hypertension are at a greater risk of mm -hmm. um serious illness with this um, people who um, have a suppressed immune system so this might be because they have cancer or they're on medications that suppress their immune system mm. um, anyone who is over the age of 70 these are all people who would be at high risk of um, a bad outcome that being said I don't think that this is something that people at this point in the pandemic should be focusing on mm everybody is at risk of this disease yeah yeah is of having a serious um untoward outcome are lower if you're young fit and healthy it's not impossible mm. so on an individual basis everyone has to take this extremely seriously i completely agree and for, like we mentioned like you know there could be a case where you you could be fit and healthy you think you're fit and healthy and you i think there's a case in spain of a young chap who was diagnosed he was absolutely he didn't know he had underlying um uh, lymphoma and that that could so you don't want to take any risks or chances 
even if you right. are healthy and there's nothing you don't have any issues or maybe you have a historical episode of a previous um condition you don't want to put yourself at risk everyone should be taking this very seriously um so i think yeah i think sorry to cut you off i think no, that's fine <laughs> I think the key thing that I want to express is that if you are a young, fit, healthy person, even though the chances are on your side that you would have a mild self-limiting illness, mm. it's not something that you can guarantee. Yeah. You, know, you can't guarantee that you would not be the rare person who does end up in ITU on a ventilator yeah. or doesn't even make it. It's a serious disease that's killing people as we speak. And we say, and we, when we say self-limiting, we say that, you know, you won't actually treat it, it. You would recover on your own. Your immune system will deal with the infection. Um, yes. Yeah, when that's it, what we mean. The amazing thing about the human body is that mm. the main line of defense when it comes to fighting a virus is your own body's immune system. Um, the body has been designed to adapt and to recognize viruses and fight them. Um, so that is your best chance in terms of fighting the virus is having a, you know, a body that you've taken care of, a body that you have nourished well and a really good immune system. Oh, definitely. I mean, something that I've not really heard anyone mention is, I mean, we've discussed people at risk and we said everyone should take it seriously and behave as if you are at high risk anyway. But smokers, is there, have you read anything about, you know, being a smoker, being at more risk? Is that why maybe you're seeing younger people struggling because they maybe they've like been smokers for like 30, 20 years? I don't know. Is that something you've come across in the literature? Um, to be honest, I haven't um, read any reports that have looked at smoking and um, risk of um, untoward outcome, actually. Yeah. It's um, only something I just thought we might be worth discussing because this is a virus that affects the lungs, right? And obviously, yeah. if you have healthy lungs, you have never smoked, your lungs have only been exposed to the usual pollution that's in London or wherever you live you'd probably I, I'm just thinking if you're a smoker that's an additional um injury to your lungs already and then the virus will compound that even further that's 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 just my thinking maybe there'll be some evidence coming out later I don't know yeah I mean I think that the research is evolving yeah uh, do you have underlying chronic respiratory disease like um COPD then yes your risk is higher mm. but if smoker who doesn't have um a chronic respiratory disease i don't know if that puts you at greater risk fair enough fair enough nevertheless smoking um, is completely toxic to your lungs yeah exactly um so everyone should know this already hopefully <laughs> but how do we prevent ourselves from catching it because there's stuff there's stuff coming up now about it possibly spreading via um aerosols in the air or droplets in the air um, what are the what are the key messages we should be you know people need to understand about preventing them, the chances of them catching coronavirus? What I would say is that at this point in time, where the virus has spread so far and wide across the United Kingdom and across the world, the best thing that you can do at the moment is to follow the government's advice and to stay at home. Unless mm. you have to leave the house for work because there's no way that you can work from home and you're a key worker. People really should not be leaving the house. People should be ordering food directly to their house if they can and if they can't, having infrequent trips to the supermarket. Mm. Um, they should be washing their hands immediately after leaving the house. 
and avoid touching their face. Mm -hmm. They should be staying at least two meters away from other people. It doesn't matter if that person looks well, they could be a carrier of the virus. Mm -hmm, definitely. It's the only thing at this point in time that's going to protect people. And, and don't underestimate just washing your hands. Sorry? I was saying don't underestimate just simply washing your hands with soap and water. I've seen so much stuff online about, you know, homemade hand sanitizer gels. I'm like, you just, you just need your usual dove. Wash your hands, even just with yeah. soap. It's really important. It's simple. Um, soap and water is the best way to clean the hands, for sure. Okay, so actually let me ask this one thing and then we'll move on to our next session that next little bit so what treatments are available what are they what, if people are in hospital and they've been admitted what are they getting have you have you heard of what i mean i've heard people talk about chloroquinine and anti-malaria medication um mm. what what have you heard about that or what do you advise so patients I, when they ask you about <laughs> chloroquinine okay so what i would tell people is um not to kind of hedge their bets or hopes on hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine mm -hmm. um, there has been some studies i think there was one study in china that looked at um a few patients it wasn't that many yeah 19 patients and they said that hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin which is a type of antibiotic um significantly reduced viral load um and the disappearance of the virus in patients mm. Um, that was published in the International Journal of Antimicrobial Agents. Mm -hmm. However, um, other studies, um, in vitro studies, have looked at it and they feel that the evidence is weak. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what people are finding in practice is that there is a high risk of side effects with these medications, um, which is kidney and liver problems um, and even liver injury. Um, so it's not something that I think is being used routinely yeah, I think yeah have got it as their policy but i don't think it's something that is a hundred percent um you know that we can say the benefit outweighs the risks no definitely that they're using it in the uk i don't know i haven't um been working on the acute medical wards myself in hospital yeah. but what i do know is that um the mainstay of treatment for this disease is oxygen and intubation and ventilation to help support the body and the lungs as it fights the virus. Exactly. So, so no antibiotics either, unless of course, once they have the virus, they probably got a bacterial infection and then they'll probably introduce antibiotics. But the mainstay yeah. hasn't been anti-malarials. I mean, if it were, the, if it was, if it was safe to use, I'm sure they would be talking about it and there'll be a lot of, but you don't want to risk having patients have all these horrible side effects um for something that doesn't is not really that effective at treating the virus okay so this session i thought would make it a bit interesting it's called true or trash based okay. on <laughs> based on all the rubbish fake news on social media and uh, about i thought it'd be a nice way of you can just base, basically what I want to do is I've got 15 statements here. Some of these actually are featured from um, the Instagram post where I asked um, people who were following my Instagram account 
what have you heard about coronavirus that you weren't sure about and then some of these i've been i've seen via whatsapp and on social media so i've picked 15 statements um dr gabby give me a number between 1 and 15 and i'll read you the corresponding statement so you can just say true or trash okay so pick a number <laughs> five so number five okay covering my body with alcohol or disinfectant will kill the new virus true or trash that's trash <laughs> reasons okay you cannot cover your body in alcohol gel <laughs> with burnt skin dry skin it's not worth it it's not worth the risk you can't constantly be dousing <laughs> so please no. guys don't be covering yourself with alcohol what a waste of alcohol anyway pick another number two Placing onions around the house gets rid of the virus. Um, that's complete trash. <laughs> come from? Who told you that? So this was featured on the Instagram where someone said they've heard this. Oh, wow. That someone's actually said, so they submitted it. Thank you for... Yeah, no, no it's, this is definitely trash. And also, not, once again, a waste of onions. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's human nature to try and find home remedies to solve a problem. But this is, this is, I guess it's a safe, well, safe option because it's probably harmless. But no, you don't need to be placing onions around your house. It's okay. Um, pick another number. Three. Drinking water every 15 minutes. So that's trash. So, I mean, first of all, when I heard this and I saw this as one of the list of things recommended to do from some doctor abroad who knew the insight like it was from one of those whatsapp chains it didn't say mm. how much water and why 15 minutes like well i i actually got this as well <laughs> oh did you oh god yeah it's a really long list of things yeah particular whatsapp message said that it came from an internal email for staff at saying yeah Hospital. oh god the i mean it's definitely not an internal email. The information in here is so dodgy and it's really unsafe, the fact that people are trying to say that it's come from a reputable source. Oh, definitely. Ensure that your mouth and throat are always wet, never dry. You should drink a sip of water at least every 15 minutes. Yeah, Why? that's it. Yeah, that's I mean, the one. It's no. just not correct at all. The virus could enter via your, via your nose and then, pre and then kind of replicate in your nasal carriage and enter that way so i don't know how you're going to douse your nose with no please don't even uh, let's not even discuss it because people might try it i don't want to no. <laughs> let's not no, try that it's not true at all okay so pick another number 10 10 okay interesting so this one says immunity apparently after nine months immunity after nine months mm. so do they mean nine months it takes nine months to become immune after yeah i think so i think that's what yeah that's mean. trash that's that's trash as well we don't really well, know was, yeah we don't know um studies haven't at the moment they're about to release an antibody test um which looks at the antibodies that people might produce after they have had an infection mm -hmm. and have it but they are they need to do trials to see how what is the window period of where you might have a false negative 
Yes, yes. So basically, when you have a virus infection, your body, like we said already, it mounts an immune response. So you develop antibodies. And the first one I think is that you develop, you, you, you express as IgG. And I guess, and they actually have these tests in, in other countries. I think they have them in Germany. And that's what they're using there when they're doing the mass testing. Um, like, like Dr. Gabby says, you need to check these tests actually work. And yeah. if they're valid and before they can be rolled out, but hopefully I think the, the scientists yeah. are working really hard to do that because it's important to get the mass testing yeah. as the, soon as um, possible. The, I think it's the IgM that shows a recent infection and then the IgG is the one that shows that, you know, you've had it, you're done with it. Oh, okay, fine. We know that you're coming. So pick another number. I've got loads of these. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> Oh, nine is, I don't even know what to, I don't want to mention this. Okay, it's not for Africans. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not true. That's not true. I think, uh, but I think, Dr. Gatt, to be honest, we've seen a lot of people, high, you know, high profile, famous people, Tom Hanks, um, loads of people have been, you know, would say probably wealthy, rich, rich people who've been um, diagnosed with coronavirus. So, and we haven't, we hadn't until recently seen that many cases in mm. the African continent. So I can understand why people from there probably think, mm, well, we're not really affected, but it's, mm. it's more complex than that, right? Like, I mean, the numbers are beginning to pick up now in Africa. Mm. Um, they are behind the, the timeline of countries in Europe and America. Um, but if they don't act quickly, it's likely that it would follow the same trajectory. I think the good thing is that a lot of African countries are taking this seriously. Yeah. Serious measures in place while they have, you know, a low number of cases. Um, but I don't think that there's anything to say, you know, Africans are immune from this disease. Not at all. Not at all. I think that's right. I think they're probably a bit more, some, some of the countries that had been recent, previously affected by the Ebola um, epidemic have, have, have maybe are, have been a bit more proactive and prepared. But yeah. if the attitudes of the population are laissez-faire and they're not really like taking it seriously, then it will spread, like you said, and really become yeah. a problem. Mm. Uh, okay, so pick another number. Um, have I done 15? No. No, you haven't. I can wear the same face mask every day. So no, that is not true because um, say if you go out and you know, you're talking to someone who is infected and the virus is splattered all over your face mask, if you then bring that face mask into your home, mm -hmm. you're transporting virus into your home. Um, so these kind of disposable um, surgical fluid repellent face masks not, cannot be worn repetitively. Mm. When it comes to some of the FFFP3 masks, I think there are varying lengths of time for which they last. Some of them it's only two hours, some of them are a bit longer, but again, they, they're supposed to be changed. Yeah, exactly. Reusable masks, the kind of big plastic ones that are more expensive and difficult to come by, mm -hmm. that have filters that last up to, up to a month. These are the ones that are reusable, but I haven't been trained in how to use it, how to clean it, how to put it on and, and yeah. take it in a safe way. No, definitely. I think it's important to understand because it's, it's, it's more complex than just wearing a face mask and thinking that's it, you're protected. Because you cough into it as well, you're just going to be mm. 
it's a bit grim it's gross to be wearing the same thing over and over it's like wearing gloves that you've used to take yeah. out the bins you're not going to wear that in your house you're going to throw it away it's the same yeah. thing um okay so let's have a look oh there's some juicy ones here you haven't even asked okay uh, <laughs> number, why don't you ask me the juicy ones then okay so let's see Hmm. It was a man-made virus. Now that is a very interesting one. <laughs> I actually did some reading on that yesterday about oh, yeah? it, made virus. And let me try to think what they said because it was very late at night. They were saying that the they were basically saying that if it was to be a man-made virus, they would have made it worse. Something about the um Oh, interesting. Something about how the the actual RNA makeup is very, very similar to what was found in animals. Mm. If if someone was going to gen genetically engineer this virus, they would have done it differently. I can't remember exactly what, what it was, but it was that someone looked at the actual profile and just said it doesn't make sense for it to be um, a man-made virus. And we already have evidence that viruses can, these, these type of viruses, the coronaviruses, which are usually in animals, can be introduced into the human life cycle, like SARS. So this is yeah, just... it's happened before. It's happened before, so it's, it's pretty much the same, but a different strain. Um, mm. So yeah, please, no more... I don't want to hear any stories about man-made virus. Like, it's not helpful <laughs> at all. Um, okay, so... We've talked about that. How about it can be spread via mail from China? I mean, that's... That's a tricky one. I'm not sure. I was having a look at how long virus can... Exactly. Um, I actually did some research into this. So um, there was... Where is my research? Bear with me a second because I want to yeah. give you correct figures yeah so in the new england journal of medicine mm -hmm. they studied that tested how long the virus can remain stable in different kinds of surfaces mm -hmm. this was a controlled lab setting not you know flying all over the world yeah 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 it was detectable on copper for up to four hours on cardboard for up to 24 hours and on plastic and steel for up to 72 hours okay so if you're mailing something and it from china and it gets to you within 12 hours then possibly there could be virus on there um, how, how is it going to get to you from within 12 hours from china exactly <laughs> when i order stuff from aliexpress it takes like two weeks so. exactly so I, I really don't think we should be worrying about that at all no. just wash it and also when you open a package that's traveled from abroad wash your hands throw away the yeah. package and wash your hands like I, a, lot of, a lot of the um a lot of the things that people need to be doing, they should have been doing already. Yeah. Washing their hands when they get home, not putting your bag that has been on the floor and the dirt outside on mm -hmm. your bed. They're places that you need to have, you know, they need to be clean and hygienic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All self-hygiene things that people should have been doing for a long time. Definitely. I think that's the key issue here getting everyone on the same kind of level, level playing field about what this hygiene is. I, I think I was watching the news the other day and this, they had um, a doctor giving advice 
and one of the questions to him is oh I think I might catch it if I take the bins out and I'm like yeah but you should be washing your hands after you take the bins out so yeah. what's the problem <laughs> he seemed really annoyed <laughs> like, I think I'm just quite surprised how little people wash their hands <laughs> uh, I, I didn't realize yeah no it's very interesting I think we've covered most of those truth so basically most of them are trash sorry I couldn't find yeah. anything that could be true because we, it's it's just really important to like really un, just discuss all the different types of you know things we've we've heard online on social media and really just clearly explain that this is not wrong you should not be listening to it um but yeah so how have you been how have you been coping at home and everything and with work how's everything with you since we've been um, talking about to stay at home i mean the situation is as i said it's quite surreal yeah um the situation is changing all the time um in gp land um we've been doing mostly telephone triage um telephone consultations because we want to help patients adhere by the government advice which is to stay at home unless they have to leave their house for urgent medical attention that cannot be done remotely um so it doesn't make sense for someone who maybe has an urgent query about Mm. a skin condition exposing themselves and coming out to see a doctor when it can be managed uh, by a web by a webcam or on the telephone um so by by practicing like this we're helping our patients adhere to the government advice no that's really good but don't you aren't you concerned that maybe some of your patients who you know there are certain things you can only examine and that will require an examination or you actually need to see you or see a patient how how are you coping with that because it must be really tricky when you're making your clinical decisions yeah so if um when we assess people via webcam or on the phone if we feel that it's um imperative that they are examined because it it could change the management then we are bringing people in okay fine but what i'm doing um at my practice to keep people safe and minimize contact as much as possible mm-hmm. is them to wait in the car until um they're ready to be seen oh no people waiting in the waiting room oh that's really good that's really good from their car to the consultation room for the examination so it's minimal time you know around anyone that's Um, proper social distancing from their car wow yeah i mean imagine if you have five people in the waiting room and one person is asymptomatic you know yeah sense when you can adapt how you do things slightly to kind of keep people protected absolutely and i mean it's it's how would you how would you also say what would you also say to people dealing with is it's a lot to take in like you said it's very surreal it's a very different time for everybody and it might be quite overwhelming hearing so much in the news about coronavirus everyone's probably like either fed up of hearing about it or worrying about how bad it can get what ways how are you coping with like um, you know with all this and how what would you recommend other people would do i mean for me i because of my line of work i have to be updated i have to know as much about this as possible because this is what i do this is this is my profession i'm i'm there to kind of know what's going yeah. on and be able to advise people um, but I would say for the general public, not to overload yourself with information. It's really stressful actually hearing about this day in, day out. Yeah. 
Um, I do feel that the daily updates from the government are helpful, but at the same time, if it's causing you a lot of stress and anxiety, there's no reason why you can't just switch it off and not yeah. because if you're staying at home, you're doing everything that you need to do to keep safe. Absolutely, and like I think, like you said, it's it's imp- with your job. We you know as as doctors, we have to keep informed. We have to keep updated. But so let take we should take you know let's take that responsibility away from you guys. It's good for you to find your information yourself, but make sure you're looking at accurate sort of sources for your information. So the WHO, yeah. the CDC, the nice uh, um, NHS guidelines. Look there for your information and ignore everything else. Um, and it's not every day, not every hour, like just, just, I maybe give yourself that time a day. I'll look in the morning and that's it, me done. Or I'll look in the evening and that's me done. Cause it can be quite overwhelming. Like, gosh, it's, it's a lot to take in. It's, it's, um, it's a lot of bad news to see. Um, and in our line of work, we are used to kind of seeing bad news and hearing bad news. Yeah. It's that, you know, as a junior doctor you it's quite difficult to adjust to but over the years you do but for the general public I can't imagine how difficult it must be for them no so what are the positives I mean for me I've been working out um following the Instagram live workouts I've been reading a lot more what are the positives you've taken from this whole stay at home and isolating Mm. yourself Situation. I think for me, I think some of the positives are that as a society, we've had to reevaluate the way that we do things, mm-hmm. reevaluate the way that we work. Um, we're being forced to be more mindful of food and not waste food and mm-hmm. use really kind of um, smart ways. Um, we're being taught to be really grateful for things like toilet paper and not waste it. You know, these are things that we've taken for granted. Yeah, have been enjoying feeling the sunshine on my skin. (laughs) Um, I've been enjoying my one, you know, the exercise that I can do once a day. I've really enjoyed it. Whereas previously, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, like I need to exercise," but now I'm really like, I can't wait to do it. And I hope that um, people take these things um, along with them when this is all over. Definitely view the opportunity to go outside and exercise as a blessing rather than a chore absolutely absolutely and also spending time with family like you know I've got an elderly aunt who I can't see and I've got I'm facetiming my mom and my family members and friends but I guess it's a it's, you know we're, we're blessed to have the technology that enables us to do this so we we, we have to be thankful for that at least definitely so what is the first thing you're going to do once this all settles down? Because it hopefully will. What's the first thing you can do to treat yourself? I really want to go on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Where would I you go? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, am I going to go? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'd be there. California. Ooh. I want to do some sort of like nature road trip. Oh, that'd be nice. Some sort of, yeah, a holiday with nice scenery um and i'm and thinking just, about a beach yeah i can't wait i mean i just i just hope this this thing comes to pass as soon as possible same absolutely i don't think that the world as we know it will ever be the same again 
no definitely it's gonna be a reset and i think we will definitely okay we'll come away with really appreciating what we have and yeah. hopefully that will change everyone's mindsets for the better definitely you know anything could happen to anyone at any point in time and so it's so important when looking at your day not to waste a single hour of your mm. life because every second counts and for people to just be present in the moment be mindful and be grateful for every day that they have oh absolutely absolutely thank you so much dr gabby like this has been so useful uh, i hope you've enjoyed it too especially those truth or trash questions which are mostly yeah. true um <laughs> you can follow yeah, dr funny. gabby you can follow dr gabby on instagram she's also on twitter um uh but yeah thank you friends this has been it's been a pleasure having you dr gabby um do remember to share and subscribe to this podcast if you have any questions or suggestions for future topics drop me a message by instagram um, at dr diggy's podcast or email at dr diggy's podcast at gmail.com and if you want you can also record a voice note which i might be including in the next episode stay safe guys stay at home and thank you for listening to the dr diggy podcast thank you bye